Welcome to Divine Messy Human. I am your host, Amanda Kate, a self-mastery facilitator who flips the paradigms of what it truly means to be a master of self. This podcast is for those wanting to move to center stage in their lives, find their divinely sovereign self, and break free from societal conditioning and programming that enslaves us. To truly embrace self-mastery, we need to have compassion for all that we are, connected to the divine, messy as F, and uniquely human. This is a space where we learn radical self-love and acceptance, remembering who we are as true beings of light. I am here to lead you as you explore the freedom and abundance that self-mastery leads to when we choose consciously and deliberately in our daily life. Each week we will cover topics from the following areas, our body and physiology, energy systems, subconscious programming, parts and inner child work, our intuition, divine connection and quantum ascension. I am so excited to have you on this journey with me. Listen in, get a cuppa, and enjoy. Hello, and welcome back to Divine Messy Human. I wanted to talk today about forgiveness and its place in healing. I had a client at Seven Sisters talk about the fact that she'd get to a certain place with forgiveness and then start to realize that she actually couldn't get any further and what she thought of as forgiveness wasn't actually happening and easing her path, easing her journey or helping her to move forward. And I have a bit of a different idea about forgiveness that has come through my own practice and my own healing journey. And so I wanted to talk it through a little bit with you today. Now, remember, everything is nuanced and there will be as much truth in here at this moment as there will be perhaps not in another moment. But from where I stand right now, I wanted to bring you what I have discovered. One of the things is that often we want to move into forgiveness without feeling the grief. And it's often a big part of what we need to do. We need to grieve things like who we were in the situation, who we were not, who we could have been, who the other person could have been, how the situation could have been different if we had been those versions of ourselves in those moments and this doesn't just go obviously people to people this can also be situations circumstances but grief is very much a part of that healing journey and often we want to skip to the being healed part without acknowledging some of the other stuff that is perhaps sitting around it so some of those big emotions even though i was very much ready to leave my marriage for example i still had to grieve who he was, who I was, who he could have been, who I could have been, who we could have been together if we'd brought out the best and not the worst in each other. All of these different aspects of not just myself, but the relationship, how it could have turned out and how it did turn out. And realistically, in moving through each of these steps, that's really where I came to what I now think of as forgiveness. The other thing about forgiveness that I think 
is sometimes one of those things that does not sit well with me anyway, is that idea of forgive and forget. Often I have found when people have said forgive and forget to me, it's often a way of pushing that blame onto the person who is suffering through the situation and making them feel that they should have done something differently or been different or that somehow the problem is theirs to move on from. And I find that it can head into victim blaming. When we say forgive and forget, one, I don't think we need to forget. I think we need to remember because we need to remember all of the aspects that fed into a situation turning out the way that it did. I think we also need to remember who we are and who we were back then and have grace and, and I guess, forgiveness for ourselves that we did the best we could with the tools that we had available to us at the time. Now, remembering that, the tools that we have available to us at the time, if we are in fight and flight, if we are in survival mode, we can't access our front creative brain. So we're not looking at creative situations to move through a problem. We're often looking at just getting through it, just surviving, just taking that next breath, that next step, getting through the next day. And the two parts of the brain are very, very separate. So forgiving and forgetting for me does often just not work. We need to remember. We need to also then use that remembrance as a way of going, okay, what will I accept in my future? What will I allow to happen to me or what will I not allow to happen to me? Will I put boundaries in place? Will I raise my standards? Will I change my energetic profile? Will I look at my consciousness level and try and learn more about myself so that these situations do not happen again? In remembering, we also are then able to spot some of the warning signs that we are heading down a similar or the same path that we were. When I started dating again after divorce, for example, I came across this guy who came across as a massive class A golden globe worthy narcissist. Now, if I'd forgiven and forgotten what I had been through, would I have picked up those orange and red flags and then that bright screaming alarm light that told me this is not the path that I want to walk down again? In forgiving and forgetting also, we often find that we're excusing the behavior of others, our perpetrators and abusers, and making the victim own the duty of care for acceptance and moving forward. Now, a lot of the things that happen to us, we will not get apologies from the person who has inflicted that pain in our life. And I know for myself, I have been the perpetrator in other people's stories, the same way that in other people's stories, they'll see me as a hero and everything in between. We do play different roles in our relationships to grow, to learn, to evolve, and hopefully then to interrupt those reactionary behavior patterns to move more into responsiveness. So it gets really messy when we're just simplifying this big healing journey, this big evolution into those two words of forgive and forget. And what does forgiveness truly look like? 
I often also see that when people say, oh, forgive it, move on. Haven't you moved on by now? Surely you've forgiven them. I often find that it's the person who is listening to or hearing this story. It is their discomfort. It is their inability to look at the darkness that you've experienced and to hold space for you in that multifaceted truth of your experience. And every truth is multifaceted. There is our perception of it. There is our reactions to it. There is our behavior in it. There is also then the other person's perceptions and behaviors and reactions and all of that mixed in together. This is really where looking at paradox in healing for me has certainly played a massive role. Being able to extend the grace to myself and to others that we were all doing the best we could with the tools we had available to us at the time and with the buttons that other people are pushing and with the behaviors other people are displaying and all of the mess and humanness of life, being able to extend that grace of we're all doing the best we can has actually been a greater path of healing for me. It has allowed me to look at the fact that not everybody is doing the inner work, the spiritual work. It allows me to accept other people's levels of consciousness as well as where I am or was at the time that it happened. For a lot of my life, I didn't have these tools, these skills, these awarenesses, this consciousness level. I hadn't done the inner work, so I didn't understand human behavior and psychology and how we do tend to fall into reactionary patterns and how much our past and our other traumas also feed into the story that we are playing out in these different situations where perhaps forgiveness might be one of those things that we think we should do. When we accept that everybody inflicts suffering on others unintentionally, it doesn't mean that these people are bad. I know I've inflicted suffering on my children, on my ex-husband, on a lot of different people in my life that I love and care for and deeply hold. And realistically, it's about what do we do with that? What is our part in that? How do we move on from it? Can we repair the relationship? Is it something where we need to put a boundary in place and say, look, because those behaviors aren't changing, I cannot be involved in this until those behaviors are in alignment with the way that I feel about myself, with the behaviors I want in my life, with the way that I am interacting with the world. And also what parts of us do we still need to work on and heal so that we don't have that same visceral reaction in our body when it comes to forgiveness, healing, moving on, acceptance, those kinds of aspects. We also have to understand that everything that happens has our perception, our worldview, the other person's perception, the other person's worldview. So it does start to get really, really messy. And simplifying it to forgive and forget sometimes oversimplifies it and takes some of that nuance out of it. Now, the way that I have been able to move through into a place where I can say spend time with people who have previously created harm in my life or that I've perceived have created harm in my life 
has been by accepting that they've done the best they could with the tools they've had available to them at the time, to love them as a soul being, to accept their humanness, to accept their messiness, to accept that a lot of their behaviors come from their own unhealed trauma, from their own life experience, from their own perceptions of how the world should be, from all of those different things that make up their humanness. And in that, I am able to lay it all out on the table, including the lack of condoning of the behaviors within what I want to experience in my life. And so as we can hold more and more as true at the same time, that's really where we come through to acceptance, acceptance of what's happened, where these things don't create those visceral feelings in our body, where we don't go straight into attack or defense when we're around these people, where we can sit more calmly and understand that they are approaching the world from their point of view. One of the ways that I come to this is really simple. There's a couple of different visualizations. I'll take you through them now. One was that when my son was about 18 months old, he used to have a wooden toolkit and a Fisher Price toolkit. And when I was doing big adult jobs around the home, whether it be with, you know, an electric drill or hammer and nails or whatever it was, hanging pictures or putting together something for the garden or whatever it was, he would go and get that childhood toolkit. And I still remember a particular day and he was wearing these little overalls and this cute little collared shirt and he toddled off into the playroom and grabbed his plastic toolkit. Now, as we know, a plastic toolkit cannot do the jobs that big adult tools can do. So now when people are interacting with me from their own trauma and from that unhealed place, I am able to access empathy and compassion because I imagine them in that little outfit going and grabbing their Fisher-Price tools or their wooden tools and coming to do big adult jobs. Sometimes it just doesn't cut it. But in those moments, I am then able to access my grace, my empathy, my compassion for understanding that I just have a different toolkit. The other visualization I use is for those of you in Australia, we have Bunnings, which is a big um, hardware store. And I know that in that hardware store, there is everything that I need to make myself the biggest, best house castle in the world. I may not know how to use all of the tools in there. But I know that with the right teachers, the right mentors, the right tenacity, the right ability to look at my flaws and understand where I need to learn more, that I could learn how to use anything in there and build myself the house of my dreams. And this is what I'm doing in my personal development work, in my spiritual development work, in my understanding of myself and that journey of self mastery. Now, some people, may not even see Bunnings as they drive past or the hardware store. It may just be, that is not for me. Some won't see it. Those that do see it might go, hmm, I wonder what that is, but I'm not really that interested to go check it out. Others might pull into the car park and buy a sausage. Even more might go and hang around in the gardening section or the paint section or 
go and get a few screws, something for some simple jobs. If I had handed my son big electric power tools when he was little, 18 months old, he could have seriously harmed himself or others. He wasn't ready for it. And so again, by using this idea that people will dip in where they want to dip in, sometimes they'll be led a little bit further into, you know, finding some new stuff. Other times they will just have blinkers on and go straight past. It is not up to me to judge other people's consciousness levels, their inner work, the path of healing for them, their grace, compassion and empathy for other people their selfishness, perhaps their unresourceful behaviours. It is not for me to judge that. My job is to accept that it is all there, it is all accessible for all of us, and that we all have the tools that we need and the answers that we need within us if we care to look for them, if we care to uncover some of the stuff that's covering them. But in using these visualisations, in the moment, it helps me to be less reactive. It helps me to employ more compassion and empathy. It allows me to tap into my own grace so that I can give people more leeway. Now, this is where the boundaries and standards from a previous episode also come in. Those standards of this is how I want to be treated now. This is how I expect to be treated now because I have done the inner work and I do have a sense of self-worth. And I also have a really deep sense of self-love. Now, if other people are not respecting that, if I have told people time and time again that I will not accept that, and then they keep inflicting those behaviors on me or do them around me, then I start to create distance. I remove access to myself, which is effectively me putting in a boundary. It doesn't mean that those boundaries are set in stone. It doesn't mean that there will be another uh, occasion where I won't allow them a little bit closer in or other occasions where I push them out a little bit further. But I decide what I am going to put up with in my life. And therefore, I behave accordingly. A lot of the people who would not accept those new standards or things that I desired in my life have just naturally dropped away because they're not an energetic match anymore. Even more, those who I have wanted to stay in my life, I have found ways to be able to massage how much access they get to me. And that's my boundary. So it is this beautiful way of starting with that inner work, Developing that grace and compassion for yourself, knowing that you got yourself into certain situations to learn, to grow, to evolve. And then if you've decided to do the healing, to then make those changes, to then raise those standards internally, and then to look at, okay, who is not abiding by those standards? Do I still want them in my life or have I outgrown them and have, has it been that reason, season, lifetime? They've come in for a reason, they're coming in for a season, or they're one of those lifetime people. And this is where that nuance of work comes through for us. But when we get to forgiveness itself, I prefer to sit in that place of empathy, acceptance, compassion. I don't need to understand other people's behavior patterns. I don't need to understand their trauma. I can often see it as we all can. 
but in understanding their resource unresourceful behaviors and acknowledging that they exist whilst also maintaining my own integrity and living to my values that's really where the magic has happened it means i can lay out all of the different nuances behaviors and my values and their values and all of the stuff on a table and just look at it and go okay all of that is true all of that exists what are my choices in this how do I move forward in the way that is congruent for me, that is harmonious for me, and that allows me not to continue deferring to other people's ideas of how I should be, how I should be pleasing them, keeping them happy, behaving the way that they want me to behave, and really staying true to myself. Let me know what you think about this. Have you been struggling with forgiveness? Does this ring true for you? Do you think it's a whole load of BS? I personally still work with the fact that forgiveness is bullshit, that we actually need to be able to hold the entire truth of what we see the situation as lightly without it affecting our bodies and therefore moving into compassion and empathy, which I think are much stronger places for me to stand. It allows me to hold the truth of who these people are as soul beings and not condone their behaviors at the same time and not inflict those behaviors upon myself, which then increases my suffering. I think it is the most self-loving way that I have learned to be. It has helped a number of my clients and I hope it's helped you today. Remember, we are all 100% divine. We are all also 100% human. Life will get messy. And the more we can love and accept our divinity and love and accept our humanness and messiness, the easier our human existence becomes. Until next time. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. If this podcast resonates with you, please follow, like, share and review so that we can get this message to as many divine souls as possible. Never forget that you have all the answers within you. You are God's source made human and sovereignty and abundance are your birthright. If you can imagine it, you can make it manifest in this physical reality. Huge love. Until next time.